Hello, my name is Evan Jacobs and welcome to the Orange County Hardcore Scene Stir Aftermath podcast. These interviews are part of an ongoing series chronicling the hardcore punk music scene in Orange County, California and sometimes elsewhere. They are an addendum to the film Orange County Hardcore Scene Stir. This is a documentary I made that chronicles the 1990s hardcore punk scene. You can stream Orange County Hardcore Scene Stir on Vimeo. For $2 a month, you can watch every Anadimia film by subscribing to Anadimia Films Unlimited on Vimeo. Links for all this stuff are in each episode description. To support this podcast, please like, rate, and review it. Also, please subscribe to Anadimia Films TV on YouTube, where you can view all of these podcasts in their original video form. And now after this, correct me if I'm wrong, you guys go on on a, it was either a series or it was like you guys went on a very, you guys went and toured uh, uh, for a hardcore band at that time in Orange County. You guys did that quite a bit before going back and recording what we believe, correct? Yeah, we did. We uh, we record off, off the Bonds of Friendship record that was through the fall and the winter. And then we came back and the new year hit and we're like, man, we want to, we loved it. The tour was like really like we were super excited so we're like well we gotta let's write some music so we can go back out there and that's what we did what make the difference and we flew out to the east coast we did a tour with vision out there and then we came home that was the spring of 89 and then we came home and uh and then quickly booked a summer tour so a few months later we're back out again uh touring and then come home from that, and we're like, we just got into that cycle, and we didn't even realize at the time, you know, that's kind of what bands, professional bands do, is they'll tour, they'll make a record, they'll have a touring cycle, they'll start writing songs, like, we didn't know any of that, we were just, we just wanted to get back to the road and live shows, so it's like, let's come home, write songs, record them, go back out, come home, write songs, record them, go back out, play some live shows locally in between, that was our that was what we did. How do you guys do that then? Like, like now, there's more of an infrastructure for that, as you and I are both aware. Like, like, yeah. but how do you do that then? When okay, you you do have bills, you do have responsibilities to a certain degree. How do you sustain yourself? Or is it the touring kind of brings in a little bit of money, and that keeps you going when you're at home, and then you go back out to re- replenish that money? Like, do you remember how you were able to do that? Uh, for me, I was able to do it because I was living with my mom still. And I think I, all of us were living with our parents. So that helped as far as like not renting an apartment and having that overhead and things like that. We'd come home and w- we had jobs that would every bit of everything we made went back into the band. We were, you know, that's all we did. So we worked hard. Uh, and then when we got, we'd tour, come back home, we'd get back to work write songs, record it, and then quit our jobs. The jobs that we had, or for me anyways, was just temporary. It was just a means to get to go back on the road. That was that was really it. I think also um, Kev had bought the Instead band, and that helped because if you didn't have a, a decent vehicle, um, that would have been hard for us to like earn enough money to, to buy a van or do all that stuff. So we, we got lucky with just having that foundation. But before I forget, and I actually had wanted to ask, going back just a little bit, 
Is there anything about being in the studio for that first seven inch that you remember? Just was there like like a moment or moments like just something that you're like like it stands out or that sticks out? I mean, aside from the fact that it it was obviously an important experience for the band, but especially for you, you were the rookie in yeah. all this. Um, yeah, we recorded a couple songs for a for a compilation, so I'd been in the studio only once before. And now we're going to the studio. It was out in the. Uh, Oh, what is it? It's Redondo Beach area, you know, South Bay area. And it was at a studio where um, Kev was a big fan of Doggy Style. And and, and uh, Brad done this record called Doggy Rock. Um, and they recorded at Pendragon, which was Bill Cordell on the studio. And um, so he wanted to go there to get that sound. I think what had happened was with, with Bonds of Friendship, they were hoping to get the Screaming for Chains sound, you know, uh, at the studio they recorded at, but they, that was not the case. By the time they instead was recording Bonds of Friendship, Uniform Choice was off to Radio Tokyo, and that's what it sounded like. So now it's like, well, let's try to pull that back and get a sound that we like, and I think that's kind of what the, why they decided on that studio. I do remember that uh, they call him Wild Bill. Bill Cardell was funny. You know, he was crazy in the studio, just just a wild, funny guy. And I do remember that energy, um, but I don't, not too much, you know, just doing backing vocals for the first time and recording bass tracks separated from guitar tracks. And it was, it was cool. You know? and was there any moment while you were doing it that like after a while that wore off and things felt a little tedious or did that, if it ever came, did that sort of come later? Was that first experience, I don't know, you know how we sort of look back and we kind of romanticize like, Oh, that was amazing. Like, like, sure. Was that how that was for you? Was it just kind of amazing the whole time, that first seven-inch experience? Absolutely, yeah. I, I wasn't bored. I wasn't – it was just all brand-new experience. So if it took, you know, four days to mix it or whatever it was, like that – I didn't know any different. I didn't know that that was long or short or whatever it was. It, it didn't. It took probably four hours to mix it. But, um, yeah, the whole experience to me was like, yes, I was just happy to be there the whole time. And then going back to even touring for the first time, you're essentially moving in with these guys for however long the tour is. Was that, what was that experience like for you doing it for the, for the very first time? It was, a, it was exciting for me. I was a little bit nervous cause you know, I was, you know, 18 years old and all my friends were going to college and I'd signed up and, and dropped out because I'm going on the road. So I didn't know like, Am I making a mistake? Am I wasting money and time by not going to school? But I want to do music, so I'm doing this, and I can't believe we're... I don't know what's out there. I just know the L.A. punk scene and the Orange County hardcore scene and all that, but I don't know what, you know, Pennsylvania looks like or Florida or any of these other things. I just assume they're all like L.A., you know, filled with gangs and lots of punks and violence and, and you know, whatever. So we're out there on the road, you know, and there's we're playing to 15 people in Missouri, you know, or whatever. Uh, that first tour, but again, I was just happy to be there. Like these four guys, these three guys were great. We had Chris Finn, we had Mark Hayworth on tour with us. Um, I'm just happy to be there and be in the band with these guys, cr cracking jokes, listening to punk records on tape as we're traveling through places we've never been to before. We have a one of the the Thomas guides, you know. The, oh yeah. You know, we didn't. There was no cell phones. We had to find pay phones if we needed to call someone. It was adventurous, you know. It was really a, a different time than it is today. Um, 
but I loved it. I, I loved it. And that's why we, we loved it so much. We just, that was what we were trying to get to every time. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's also interesting, you know, you mentioned having Chris, Chris Finn and, and having Mark Hayworth and stuff like that. Guys who would go on to do really well in the music scene, tour managing bands, you know, helping artists and stuff like that. It's so interesting that they cut their teeth with, with instead who were one of the, you know, you, you guys seem to me like just sort of a well-oiled machine like like it it's it's so interesting it makes you wonder like what how things would have been had you guys come around when there was more infrastructure and there was you know what the drive that you guys had it right. just you know it, it just makes me I, I'm, I'm sure you know that's probably something that you've thought about too right or no yeah yeah I mean we were we, that was a generation we were you know we were doing it in the 80s and and that's what that was the resources we had and we made the best of it I'm sure if we did it in the 2000s it'd be a very different experience but I, I wouldn't trade the experience I I love the, the, the grittiness of it you know and and all that that's interesting you said that about uh, about Mark and Chris because they are still connected to the music industry tour manager and look at Joe Nelson he's now running a label you know so like they're still connected to music those were our three guys right. So, well, that's cool. my Nelson was my entryway into like my friendships with you guys and all that stuff. But now, I mean, he's he's second fiddle. You and me are like you know the best of friends. He's, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, it, it it really is interesting where you start and how that drive and that love for this music, where it can take you. And I I think that's I don't know. I just that's what I that is something about hardcore, and especially the friendships and stuff like that that get formed. That is something, you know, that I think is I think is awesome. Speaking of friendships, and I've never known this, how do you guys end up having because I know you guys stayed at this house a bunch and he was influ and he was super influential and helpful. How do you guys um, you know, you and Rod Roger Murray, I'm saying his last yeah. name. How does that friendship happen? Like like how do you guys you guys are on two yes. different coasts? I'll go I'll have to go back to nineteen eighty five. Um, living in Rolling Heights in high school, buying punk records at Toxic Shock, uh, and saving up my lunch money to do so, and going to shows. And so what ended up happening, I got so into the, the music and buying records and going to shows that the guys that originally, the, the, the punkers on the moped with the mohawks and all that, they weren't going as, as much as I wanted to. They would maybe go one, one or two shows a month. I wanted to go once a week. So I'm out there looking. And by that time, my brother started driving, and my mom and my dad were split, but they would give me rides if I needed to, like even to the record store to go shopping. I was like, I want to go to the record store this Saturday. Whoever I'm with is taking me out there. So what ended up happening was Agnostic Front, I love the 7-inch, and uh, they were coming into town, and um, they, I, from all the, the zines that I was reading, they were, it was CBGB's matinees and, and New York Hardcore and all this, and so... The show that happened in Pomona was on a Sunday. Me, being the young, naive kid, just assumed it was a matinee. You know, so, so I asked my, I forget, I think it was my dad that dropped me off. My mom had to pick me up. I asked my dad to drop me off at the show. And so he said, okay. And my brother didn't want to go, so I went by myself. And he dropped me off and bailed out. And I and, and it was it was at a venue where you kind of had to walk in. It was like an old uh, well, it's over there by the glass house now. It's like a it's like the old antique mall type thing. So he drops me, and I have to walk in a couple couple hundred yards to get to the venue. And so he takes off, and I show up to the venue, and there's nobody there. 
And I was like, uh-oh, I, you know, did the show get canceled? That's a matinee. That's a matinee. Then you know you're really at a hardcore matinee, yes. Yeah, so what I realized is it wasn't a matinee. It was, <laughs> it was a nighttime show. But I'm stuck there now because now I don't have a car. I don't have, you know, anything. And my dad's not going to come and pick me up. I don't want to jeopardize not going to the show. So I just hang out. I'm just sitting there. And what, what happens when you're on the road in a band touring you try to get to the next venue, the next venue from the night before, and you may show up an hour or two hours or four hours early to the next show. Well, here comes Agnostic Front Van in the parking lot, and it's, you know, two hours before the show's starting. And so it's just them and me. And uh, they jump out of the van, and, and they look like these, they look like a, they just opened up a, 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 a prison bus. <laughs> they hop out with the tattoos on their neck and, you know, skinheads and, it was cool, but they, they pile out of the van and I, and they just like, we start talking and, uh, we're, and there, we ended up forming a relationship. So Roger and I stayed friends from that day on. Um, I ended up going to the, they played the Olympic auditorium a few days later, went out to that show and then fast forward a couple of years, all of a sudden I'm in instead and we're on the road. I reach out to Roger. Hey, we're going to be in New York, you know, blah, blah, blah. He's like, oh yeah, you can stay with me. He was living in Staten Island, this big house at the time. And um, our tour started to fall apart because it was our first time we didn't understand. And um, we ended up getting out to the East Coast, barely. And then now shows are starting to fall apart. We're having to re, re, uh, rebook them. And so we stayed with them. We ended up staying with them for a few weeks um, out there. And it was great. He was really helpful. And, and he had seasoned vet by that time. He'd been on the road for three, four years. And uh, he was just a great guy. So... And so fast forward to today, I live in Arizona. He also lives in Arizona. We've been doing some musical side projects for the last 10 years. And he's just a great guy. We're really close friends. <laughs>